gentlemen and otherwise, and welcome to the Daily Brain Bleed. My name is Jeff. My name's Tucker, and we have a very special guest with us today, special for a variety of reasons uh, near and dear to my heart. We have the mayor of the 12th largest city in the state of Tennessee, Kingsport, here with us today, Mayor Pat Schull. Uh... I, would, I was about to say Pat, but it would have felt weird because also he's my dad. So, uh, <laughs> dad, what's up? <laughs> the 12th largest, huh? Yeah, that's true. Something like that. Uh, uh, there's I'd, like, not... I'd like to see the 11 in front of us. I can guess a bunch of them. Well, it's like once you get past Nashville, Memphis, Knoxville, those cities, it's like you quickly... You quickly run out of particularly huge. I can bring it up right now. What is, um, Mar- we, Martin, maybe it's Martin bigger. Martin might be bigger. I know. I don't think so. Roger, um, Rogersville military base there. Thank. Let's see. Largest cities. In, are, are we going to make this a stump the chump thing? <laughs> this is our new trivia bit. Everybody playing <laughs> along at home. will give you 30 seconds to think of towns in Tennessee. This will be so cool. If you have any knowledge of Tennessee whatsoever. And for our huge California, uh, <laughs> Yeah, no, for, the, for the bumper crop of Hollywoodites that have decided this podcast is for them. It goes Nashville, Davidson, Memphis, Knoxville, Chattanooga, Clarksville, Murfreesboro, ah, Franklin, Jackson, Johnson City, Bartlett, Hendersonville, and then Kingsport with Collierville being the one right behind us. Well, you, okay. Summer in the greater Nashville area, if you count Murfreesboro. Yeah, 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 yeah. No. Murfreesboro has changed a whole lot over the last couple of years. I did my undergrad there and it's just blown up. Mm-hmm. It's Really crazy. Well, Clarksville's really blossomed, I guess. Yeah. Uh, we lived there 20 years ago. I mean, have you been to Clarksville in a significant capacity since we nope. lived there, Dad? No, no. The last time I went there was to get my Army retirement uh, card. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I mean, I, I've actually been there a little bit. My sister did, uh, one of her degrees at Austin P Okay, and so I'm, I'm familiar ish with the area. So Congressman Rowe is from, uh, uh, Clarksville. Oh yeah. He, he went to Austin P hmm. undergraduate. Yeah. Didn't he just set up his, uh, practice here and then eventually he became mayor and then Johnson Con- city, you mean? Well, yeah, Johnson city, but you know, tri cities, you know, why he's in the first district as opposed to. Wherever Clarksville is, like fifth district, I guess. I don't know. Off the top of my head. Something like that. So in uh, in preparing for this interview, I have to say I, I watched some what I felt like were relevant uh, kind of cookie cutter templates for political interviews. The, na- <laughs> the main one being Frost Nixon. Oh. So uh, I, I hope you're ready for some serious, uh, some, some hard hitting questions here. Uh, when the mayor does it, is it illegal? Dad. Uh, well, I th- that's... A quote attributable to Nixon, sort of modified. But right, 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 right. <laughs> but your, your mayor always proceeds legally. Yes, no, um, we're actually not trying to no, uh, not at all. trip you up. Honestly, we don't have much in the way of, like, political conversation we really would need to do aside from, like, the fluff of, so you just got inaugurated for your second term. Is that not correct? Yeah, we got sworn in on the 6th of July. I guess technically the term started on the first day of July. All right. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, second term now. You know, the, the strange thing about the King's Sports Charter is that the aldermen have four-year terms. The mayor has a two-year term. Hmm. There's kind of a long story behind it. Uh, 
you know, we used to do like Johnson City and Bristol continue to do now. We, we would have an election of the aldermen, and then at the first meeting of the new term, they would pick one of themselves to be the mayor. And they'd say, okay, you're going to be the mayor, Bob, for two years, and then, you know, Susan will be the mayor two years later, you know. Yeah. So uh, then and I was off in the Army, I think, when all this uh, occurred. Uh, some citizens got together a petition and said, we, we really need our mayor to be the leader and step out front, so the mayor should be elected separately. So the, the petition got to the city. The city uh, asked the state to change our uh, charter after a, a referendum, after a vote. Yeah. And uh, apparently the state legislator at the time was uh, crafting the language and uh, said, well, let's see, the mayor's been having a two-year term. Okay, I'll just put that in there. And to me, that that's kind of dumb, you know. Why, why do you want the mayor to be the preeminent uh, leader on the board, but then give him two-year him or her two-year term, and give the alderman a four-year term? It doesn't really make much sense. Well, you know, I mean, I, f- I feel like that's one of a myriad of things where if you just go down the line, you know, it's like, oh, why is that like that? Right. Um. And if it were any easier to change, I feel like it would be different. But I mean, you know, personally, the way I would change things is to be clear, Dad. I think you're doing a good job. I mean, I'm hardly unbiased, but I think you're doing uh, fairly well. well. Thanks for that. Well, but you rousing know, vote of confidence. When, when, when you're gone, I think that we should change things around such that the person who is the mayor, we have like one of these uh, chefs' pizza giant pie eating contest the big chef the big yes. chef and whoever finishes the big chef fastest becomes mayor of kingsport that's ideally the system that i would put into place okay i still can't get over that guy ate 60 hot dogs in where, what 10 minutes where did he do that oh oh you just in the hot dog eating yeah, contest yeah and what's it's in uh it's held on uh at coney island or somewhere yeah yeah, yeah wasn't yeah. this a woman like they had two categories a male okay category and a female huh well, I mean, I, I, I've always felt very strange about hot dog eating contests because they like wet them, right? They like dunk them in water so that mm-hmm. they go down easier. And I just, I don't know. I feel like that's cheating. You should have to do it like acoustic, like no aid. Right. Just eat the hot dogs. Whenever you look at these people who like are professional eaters, very few of them like are stereotypically big and fat and anything. It's always like the really small people who just have like massively flexible stomach muscles and I, you know, you look at them and they start eating this stuff. And well, it's you like, ate the bun too, you know. Yeah, 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 that's what I'm saying. That's a lot of carbs. I mean, I think if you're going to be able to put away that much food, it has to be like a, a departure from the norm. <laughs> Whereas like if that's just kind of a Thursday for you, you're dead. Are you just reinventing Fear Factor? Well, the guy won is, you know, won several years in a row. So, yeah. So it's obviously one of his, his skills, you know? I feel like I watched a short documentary piece about one of these uh, professional hot dog. Well, I mean, I don't know if it's professional. I don't think you get paid that much. But you, hot dog champion. And, uh, like, the amount of time, like, during the year that they eat hot dogs is, like, nil. Like, they do not want it any other time. They're like, I never look at a hot dog unless I'm, like, training. You would imagine. And they don't train a whole lot either. It's, like, you would sporadic. Ima- you would imagine that there's has to be some sort of, like, uh, endorsement element to all this. Like, you know, when I'm stuffing... 40 hot dogs down my throat. I like them Hebrew national. You know, you'd have to imagine that there's some kind of money there, you know, but I don't, I guess I don't see that. I mean, it should be, it should be a thing. I I feel like they would just be giving the money back in a certain way because like you think about the number, the volume of, 
uh, hot dogs per individual. That's definitely like that's Spider's gay org over there. <laughs> like he shouldn't have been counted. He ate two hundred hot dogs no. in like a month. Well, um, I was I I have I have a, a local joke that cropped up in my mind earlier. Uh, just with the with the Nixon. Uh, the Nixon line of thinking: the closest thing we have to Watergate is the Aquatic Center. <laughs> that's it. That's the joke. I um, guess just in not in like just, the sense just it's a scandal, in like it's, literally it's wet. There's a there water. water. Well, there wasn't water. How did Watergate get its name? Like, li- no, not not the scandal. Like the hotel and just the complex of buildings. Like, was it just a dude who? Uh... I mean, Waters is a fairly common last name, I believe. Well, you know, we're gonna look this up. Oh, I, I, I wasn't. I was just okay. touching. The, I was no, just touching. No, let's not mouse. actually. Let's, <laughs> you'll be happy to know, Dad, that all of the bits that don't work, we absolutely just cut them through uh, in the editing process. And so when it comes out on the other end, we all come out sounding charming and intelligent and articulate, and um, which is a stark contrast from how I usually am. Usually, when Jeff cuts my stuff, it's my commenting on a woman's physical appearance in great detail but uh yeah you you guys have no idea i've had to cut 45 minutes of pure content of just tucker musing poetically right very shakespearean kind of stuff we're not looking to start any controversy so my edit could the final result could be i said hello and then goodbye (laughs) i mean so what you know i i feel like being uh being the mayor of something like uh, heading to that like position in your life you know i i feel like that's something a lot of kids like set like an aspiration to or like you know nobody wakes up and it's just like well that was an accident i didn't mean to do that like does does it bring you like a sense of i guess like accomplishment or like a like a feather in the cap kind of feeling to like you know be contributing to a community in the way that you are well the short answer jeffrey would probably be i see it almost as an extension of my uh, public service as a career military officer of course now the the longer answer is uh, i was interested in the city from way back when i was a teenager my first paid job outside my home was uh, there was a circle right outside our house and uh, i went down to the city they advertised the newspaper and uh, I probably was looking at the sports page, but noticed the advertisement and uh, saw Ted McCown, who was the assistant to the city manager, and Mr. McCown uh, signed me up to be a contract mower. So I hmm. mowed that circle. And that same summer, because I'd been playing baseball through, you know, Pee Wee League, Midget League, uh, Babe Ruth League, I was 15. Uh, I was old enough to coach a Pee Wee League team, which were seven, eight, and nine year olds. So I was getting two paychecks from the city. That summer, and and I guess I mow, uh, mowed that circle at least two or three summers, and uh, but uh, then my senior year of high school, I was talking to a friend, and and it was spring, and and uh, he he mentioned he had a job at the city, and I said, oh really? And you mean you work on Saturdays? He said, yeah. And then I'm going to you know just go on into the summer after we graduate, and uh, so I went down to the Parks and Recreations. I saw Mr. Uh, McCorris and uh, Gabe Prescott. Uh, there's some names that old uh, Kingsporters would remember. And uh, they signed me up to work on Saturdays with a Parks and Recreation crew. Mr. Gene Parker was our foreman, and he was he was quite a character. He was a good man. I don't mean to criticize. Uh, <laughs> uh, and so I, mainly on those Saturdays in the spring, I picked up a lot of litter. 
My first day was a really good one because right in front of Arby's, and Arby's is still, not Arby's, excuse me, Hardy's, Hardy's, and there's, it's still there. At one time, you know, we had a grass median. It wasn't as many lanes. Huh. But, uh, what, on a, on Stone? Yeah, on Stone Drive. And, How about uh, that? And I was about five steps ahead of the other guy that was picking up litter, and I found a $5 bill on my <laughs> first day. Which in today's money, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Back then, that was a pretty good deal because yeah. I was only making a dollar twenty-five an hour. I was that was less than the minimum wage, but for whatever the rules were at the time, that they, yeah. they, they could allow to do that. But uh, so uh, every summer, and even in my uh, college Christmas break, I had about almost a four-week break between semesters, and I would work two weeks of the city. And when we weren't picking up litter, of course, we were taking care of the parks, you know, whether it be mowing or raking leaves or whatever. And finally, my premier job I worked up to, this was after my junior year of college, uh, I got my own truck. And I was the guy that drove to the ballparks and would mow the grass, uh, line off the line, you know, the foul lines, the batter's box, the coaching boxes and all that, and pick up litter around the ballpark and then move on out to the next park and the the older gentleman who was supervising me see he would get there ahead of me with the and drag it off smooth it off with the tractor yeah so all this got me very interested in city management uh and i actually did an internship in city management while i was a graduate student in public administration uh, at university of tennessee and so the summer of 1980 i did an internship and i really enjoyed it but uh at the end of the I got my degree and I went on back into the army. But if I guess if I hadn't made an army career, I would have gotten into the city management field. So naturally, when I came home and retired from the army, came back to Kingsport, uh, got interested in local politics. The next thing I know, I find myself running for uh, alderman. Wow. Well, I mean, I, I figured there was a, there would have been a, a bit of a, a deeper connection to a city or you know small government there. But that's that's a lot. That's a long. Uh long trajectory there from, you know, oh, yeah, I was cutting grass to, uh, you know, I'm, I'm yeah. kind of in charge of a lot of people cutting grass. Yeah. That's that's really what being yeah. a mayor is. It's a lot of cutting grass. Well, you know, this, <laughs> all, in uh, council manager form of government, you know, the uh, the, the board of mayor and aldermen in other cities, they call it the city council, but we we're the, we call it board of mayor and aldermen. We, we hire one person. We hire the city manager and he hires everybody else. Yeah. And Sometimes uh, the line between where his job starts and ends and mine picks up uh, it can be fuzzy, but I, we haven't really had any problems yeah. delineating what we do. Well, I mean, you know, it's it's the same thing that you hear about, like, you know, when you're in school learning about government at first, and it's like, oh, well, what's state and what's federal? You know, it's like there's always kind of that interaction between any government entities, big or small. So, yeah, no. Jeff, you're asking all the questions that um, I am now realizing I'm ill-suited to ask. Maybe not in the point of view of the listener, but just like there's a mental block that prevents me from asking my dad, hey, you ever just think about how you're mayor now? You know, because I've been having this conversation on some level with him for like two years now, you know, so it's like. So is so is this like kind of a strange out of body experience for you? A little bit, but you know, I think. Well, uh, uh, you know, Tucker's always been interested in politics, and he gets it honestly, of course. <laughs> uh, but the the whole uh, idea of council manager government, it's really trying to tamp down a little bit the the overt uh, political nature of government. Sure. Now, now you can never get 
the politics out of government at all uh, altogether. No. <laughs> but uh, but it does uh, mitigate it somewhat having a professional uh, city manager with a professional staff who who I think are truly motivated to do what they think is best for the citizens. But uh, as important as his job is, the final decisions on big things involving a lot of money, of course, are your elected representatives have to make that decision. Sure. And I, I feel like it's something that gets glossed over a lot in a lot of discourse and a lot of people talking online about, you know, well, how do we fix this in the world? How do we fix that in the world? And, you know, yeah, those those big votes that you get to cast every two or four years for your federal level stuff is great and, you know, makes a big difference in a larger current. But I, I feel like a lot of people neglect how much you know, local city government kind of stuff can really affect like your day to day life in a way that I feel like people, you know, kind of don't understand anything from how the trash gets picked up to, you know, the way that schools are zoned and everything like that. Like it's, it's a lot of stuff that goes into it. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm preaching to the choir here, I suppose, but <laughs> I mean, yeah, obviously we would like people to be more engaged and not only that, but engaged in an effective way right it reminds me of this one internet comic i saw where there's this guy who goes i'm angry and this guy hands him a piece of paper and goes oh here's a solution and the other guy just rips up the piece of paper and says i don't want a solution i just want to be angry and oh yeah (laughs) (laughs) and that's uh that's you know there are people who i think you know feel rightly on some level that there's something askew with the world but they don't uh know exactly how best to uh affect that so they uh they tweet a bunch punctuated with uh maybe voting for president every four years and that's it yeah well you you know i've talked to my colleagues the over the years and uh and uh, some people get spurred to run for elective office because of some significant event that happened and they said gee you know this this was dumb i think i can do better uh, others they gravitate toward it in a different way. They just maybe have a general interest in the in the civic affairs of the city. Yeah, it's kind of your your origin story as a politician, if you will. <laughs> right. No, I I imagine someone cutting grass and just being like, "I hate cutting grass. I'm going to do something else." <laughs> My- you know, Jeffrey, uh, I've never really been comf- comfortable with. Uh, being called a politician, and I guess uh, I have to accept the title. I mean, I've now got 13 years of elective service between being an alderman, a county commissioner, and mayor, but I think deep down, subconsciously, I I still view myself as a soldier. Well, absolutely, and I don't don't mean to use the term in a derogatory or uh, imply anything uh, with the the term. I understand the semantics are a little obviously outside of the, the scope, but yeah. I, I understand. It seems like you're always coming at it from a point of service and like of a, a very honest like work and desire for like the people around you. And I think that's really commendable. Like that's that's a direction that I feel like a lot more people could come from. Well, you know, I can understand uh, citizens disillusionment with politicians, you know, but when you think about it, you know, Abraham Lincoln and George Washington were politicians, you know, and uh, I think they did some pretty good things. Yeah, no, it's a, it's kind of a kind of a necessary evil. Somebody's got to be in charge. Somebody's got to make some decisions for people. And so, you know, the all, main, go ahead. The main reason I decided to run for office when I ran for 
student body president in high school was because I wanted to run on the slogan of, if you don't vote for me, you hate America. And um, <laughs> that's uh, that's why I think I was successful. Well, it, it, it did work. It worked <laughs> out in your favor. Well, never underestimate the power of a catchy slogan. Yeah. You know, you first have to get the voters' attention. Right. And that, that'll, that, that one certainly did it. I, uh, I, you know, I, f- I feel like there are a lot of case studies to be done about political messaging in a uh, small little high school biomes like that. It's not, fun. Not to focus too much on, you know, the nitty gritty aspects of electioneering, but I think part of the reason you were so successful, Dad, especially the first time around, was because you, when you ran for office, was because you um, kind of combined both ends of things of like, the old style of politics of just, you know, retail politics of going door to door, knocking on doors, showing up at events and all that kind of thing. But also in a way that a lot of the other establishment guys hadn't really thought of actually establishing a strong social media presence on like Facebook and stuff, because there were a lot of guys, you know, who are still acting like it's like 1973 and they don't, you know, know how effectively (laughs) to reach the masses. And I think, you know, in a lot of ways you are, ahead of the curve and some of that kind of stuff, yeah. Well, I, you know, I don't claim any particular expertise in uh, social media. I, I get a lot of, uh, I've gotten a lot of help in, in that regard, but I certainly acknowledge the, the power of it. In fact, I was about, uh, I don't know, three or four months into being mayor, and I had a, a small group of citizens come up to City Hall. We met up in the second floor in the conference room, and uh and I, these are folks I invited specifically by name. And what was uh, different about them is they were all either in their 20s or 30s. Sure. I'm, I'm 67, so that's young to, to me. And so I'm talking about something I read in the newspaper. And one of the young men raises his hand and says, well, Mayor, I don't read the newspaper. I'm like, what? <laughs> and so I go around the room and, and none of them read the newspaper. So I asked them, how do you get your information? They said through uh, the internet. I said, well, how do you know if it's correct, if it's uh, you know uh, accurate? If you were asking them that today, yeah. they'd probably say they got their news from the Daily Brain Bleed. <laughs> <laughs> well, th- you guys are honest, upright guys, so I don't think you'd you'd ever intentionally mislead anybody. But that that was really an eye opener for me. That they, uh, well, how do you know if it's accurate? And they said, well, you, you have to check around. If one of my buddies recommends it, who I give credibility to, I might give the the uh, information credibility. Uh, now I'm not here to to stump for the Times News, but uh, it's good to have a local newspaper. We'd all miss it if. Uh, if it wasn't there. Mm-hmm. Certainly. And that's the thing about, you know, social media, though, is I imagine that you know, everybody has an opinion. And I imagine that there's some degree of temptation to just, you know, look through all the negative stuff. And you just have to decide on some level that you're going to, OK, the guys who are always going to be unhappy are always going to be unhappy. So you just got to mentally filter them out. Well, uh, <laughs> Tucker knows that. uh one of my favorite, you all use the term genres a lot, I guess. One of my favorite television genres is, uh, you know, the old Western uh, 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 cowboy type stuff. And uh, um, it's kind of like the Wild West there, the, uh, the, the, the Internet or the Facebook or other social media. And uh, um, uh, people can go on and, and be unfiltered. Now, I know that our former president, Trump and other people have been censured on the internet. That's kind of a different issue altogether. But but generally, people have been uh, 
able to get on there and see what they say. And and uh, I don't mainly when I get on, say Facebook, it's to say that uh, you know happy birthday or <laughs> or that was a nice yeah. w- nice wedding or you know congratulations on your promotion or whatever. But I don't try to do anything too controversial. But I do. Get, see what citizens say and the things that upset me is when they just get the facts wrong. I mean, they can have an opinion. That's great. But an opinion ought to at least have some kind of factual basis that to be worth something. And that's, that, that is truly a radical notion, at least, uh, at least presently. Someone noted recently, and I saw them post this on like Twitter or whatever, and it's so true. And I'm looking forward to this day. One day we're going to have a president of the United States who who doesn't just like tweet or whatever, even tweet inflammatory things, but actively gets into long arguments with other people online. And it's I'm yeah. looking forward to that day because it's just going to be so funny. But um, yeah, no, um, I, I think, you know, it takes a certain level of discipline to just ignore a lot of the uh, a lot of the controversies that, uh, you know, uh, royal up because honestly for a lot of guys it's you just got to realize that you know even if it is a big deal that it's just kind of gonna go away if you ignore it <laughs> is, you know is there a magic combination of keystrokes you can use that will disarm it no <laughs> probably not so just leave it in the drafts and uh you know don't <laughs> don't press send 90 percent right. of the time i mean people have just such short attention spans anymore that uh and yeah well, I say that we we talked about how like everyone younger than us listens to four hour Twitch streams, but you know, well, that's- you, you know, I will give credit to somebody that you all know, and that's our former city manager Jeff Fleming. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Jeff will go on Facebook and and he'll address something that somebody is uh, offered an opinion, and the opinion's based on getting the facts wrong, right? And he very diplomatically, very tactfully will point out, and sometimes in excruciating detail, why the person is wrong, and here is the right uh, answer. Again, mm-hmm. I'm talking. We're talking about facts now, not yeah. opinions. And uh, he's really good at that. And uh, he, he, people refer to Jeff as Mr. Kingsport because he's constantly selling the city, so to speak. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I mean, hey, there, there, there should always be somebody tending the, you know, tending the field and watching the gate online mm-hmm. and in person. So, you know, I suppose. It's- it's like heavy as the head, you know, <laughs> one of these the 80s movies about these renegade cops, but it's just about the guy who monitors social who goes media. on Facebook and tells people they're wrong. It's, <laughs> it's a tough job, but somebody's got to do it. You know, that sort of that's me logging onto Facebook at 7 a.m. <laughs> to yell at Linda, who's like 70 and doesn't know how to spell correctly. Yeah, tough job. But somebody's got to somebody's got to do it. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I, w- I would hate to monopolize too much of your valuable time, sir. Uh, do, you, do you have anything that you would like to just get out into the airwaves for any reasons, uh, political, personal, or otherwise? Well, I, I'm, I'm open to meeting with citizens. Uh, I'm, I meet with people in uh, my office, which is now in the new city hall, right off the old bank building, which has been renovated, uh, but it's right off the church circle. And uh, But I... That's a big part of my day now is I either meet with people in person or I call, uh, talk to them on the phone or I uh, uh, answer their emails and, and I'm accessible. And if people have real complaints that they're really upset about, you know, and not something they've just, you know, wanted to rant about on Facebook, then they should contact me or my six colleagues. You know, the I, I don't... 
I don't hadn't measured this in any way. I don't know if you could, but uh, I suspect I get a little bit more traffic than the uh, the six aldermen in in these areas. But they they should contact their aldermen too. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And their school board, by the way, appreciate mm-hmm. uh, your mother's service on the school board. Absolutely. There again, it's all it's just it's all very important work. And if you have something in your local community that's not sitting right with you. You should speak to somebody who has, you know, some influence in that area. It's just problem, direct line to solution every time. So, well, <laughs> Jeffrey, uh, not every problem. Not, not every time. Is but. Totally. Uh, I'll give you one example, and then you y'all can cut me off or whatever. But uh, I had three or four citizens contact me around Fourth of July because people were shooting off fireworks. Now it is against our city ordinance to shoot off fireworks uh, as an individual within the city limits. Sure. Uh, But people do like to blow off steam, but gee, they don't have to do it on the 3rd, 4th, and 5th of July and at midnight or 4 a.m. But some people actually did that, and that's just just flat inconsiderate, and and we can do better than that. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, th- I think the I think the, the the direct line solution there is to just completely ban fireworks forever mm. from anywhere well, in the city limits. So, That'll go really well. So do you hate America? So yeah. do you hate America? I didn't say that. <laughs> uh, Fair enough. Yeah. So uh, thank you so much for taking some time out of your day uh, to just come and talk right, to us and, and uh, appear on the program. And y'all keep reaching out to the citizens on Brainbleed. Thank all you right. for having me. Thank yeah. you.